Hello, and welcome everyone to Star Trek Discovery Pod. Oh wait, we usually start with a start date, don't we? We do start with the start date. (laughs) I'm dropping the ball already. Start date. 47,632.44. 34.44, but that's fine. (laughs) 34.44. I can read. Welcome to Star Trek Discovery Pod, a podcast that will challenge you to a duel of the mind. We are your witnesses for the evening. I am Ensign Grant Davis, and with me on the view screen is... Just Mariah Gossett this evening. Just, just, that's just it. It's just that's, us two. That's just us. That's it. <laughs> Mike, Mike and Clyde are suspended over some eel tanks, and uh, they're unavailable for the night as, as, as we bear witness. And uh, we, we give them a rager of a party here. We're going to have a great episode. party. <laughs> uh, this week, we are covering the eighth episode of Star Trek Lower Decks, Veritas? Veritas? Veritas. You got it. It's Veritas. Latin. <laughs> okay. Uh, but before we dive into that, Mariah, can you tell our listeners slash viewers how they can support the pod? Absolutely. So there are a couple of ways you can help us out this evening. One is just listening to and subscribing to the podcast itself. So you can do that on Apple, Spotify, or YouTube. Make sure you click that notification bell if you're with us on YouTube so that you know whenever we're going live. Uh, You can also visit us at StarTrekPod.co to find all the places you can listen to or watch this podcast. Um, And if you like the content that we create, you can get even more content from us over on Patreon. So that's patreon.com backslash StarTrekPod. There we put out special series where we're covering some old Trek. We cover some movies. Um, Also, the watch-along parties in our Slack, which you can join for just $2 an episode, are excellent and amazing, and I love our Slack group. They're the best humans in the whole wide world. So you definitely want to join up with the best humans because they're the best humans. Yeah, that's kind of the way it goes, guys. You know. Um, also, <laughs> if you are joining us live tonight in the chat, uh, wherever you are watching us, if you just type the word P-O-D in all caps, uh, we'll make sure to try to see that comment, and we can talk about it at some point in the show because it's also just Grant and I. So we're really relying on you for some help this evening. <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a skeleton crew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So please, throughout the episode, just let us know your thoughts. We can uh, look right over here and uh, see what you guys are thinking. Um, that said, you know, like like we said, uh, we are talking about uh, episode eight, Veritas, which was written by Garrick Bernard. Uh, he, he worked on Solar Opposites and uh, it was directed by Kim Arndt from Big Mouth and also Solar Opposites. Man, I feel like I never watched Solar Opposites and that's like the <laughs> show to watch because a lot of the people are, are mm-hmm. drawing from that show right over to here. Um, this makes it Kim's third episode directing of Lower Decks. Which yeah. Big, big congrats there. So uh, I think it's time for us to get our horns of candor, c- condor, candor <laughs> out and we're going to talk one. about this. Um are you are you ready? You ready, Mariah? I'm ready. I'm ready. You ready for some hot freaks? Hot freaks! Did I do yeah. it? I think I did it. I'll let uh, I'll let you kick things off. 
Yeah, I um, actually really liked this episode a lot. I appreciated that we finally got a little bit of a change of structure instead of just having two team-ups where they go off on their individual adventures. We got to see everybody all together. Um, I also thought we got to see much more plotline, specifically from Rutherford and Tendi, which is something that I have been wanting. Um, and I really enjoyed both of their little moments in this particular episode. I also think Star Trek has such a rich history of being able to sort of play and bend genre all the time. So we get, you know, Western episodes, we get the murder mystery episodes, we get straight up sci-fi. Um, and then in this take, we are getting the courtroom drama, which <laughs> is super fun um, and a cool way to sort of break up this sort of office comedy that we've been having all season. Um, so I think it's really smart also, this may be, I feel like I say this every week and they top it every week. There are so many references in this episode. It is just chock full. So I'm really excited to sort of dig into them. I mean, even from our very first cold open, we're already slung right into undiscovered country um, and like feeling like Bones and Kirk are about to go up for their court date with the Klingons. So uh, I thought all I the references. Reference. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that one. <laughs> I, I got it. I got it. Um, yeah. But yeah, overall, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought the twist at the ending at the end was fun and like kind of a smart way to poke fun at the fact that almost all major Star Trek mystery episodes, there are lots of just glaring plot holes that we all just sort of choose to ignore and enjoy the plot of the day. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I thought this episode was a lot of fun. The, the format, the structure of this, having it break apart the, our four main characters into their four uh, varying adventures and perspectives uh, as a story structure. I thought, thought I, I always like when they do that, as long as it's not overdone in, in a show. I, it's always this special gem when that kind of story structure takes place. And you're dead on that this episode, I thought, finally did a lot to kind of flesh out the characters of Tendi and and more so Rutherford. The Like Rutherford having this <laughs> special ability that when he goes dark he becomes a super soldier, like a dangerous super soldier is hilarious, especially to the effect that like, he's so gentle and mild mannered otherwise. And like, he's a force to be reckoned with if he's not in control of his body. Um, it's, it's fascinating. And I, I like to see them play more with that. And overall, I mean, they obviously were, were being a bit tongue in cheek at the end about the whole like oh no this is just a party when <laughs> their their own uh, our own characters are constantly pointing out this is really ridiculous this is really ridiculous this is really ridiculous no this was not just some party you guys are full of it um and you know as long as you kind of take that with a grain of salt i thought that everything else in this was a lot of fun yeah, I agree. I thought it was a really fun episode overall. And um, I'm excited to sort of dig into all of these individual plot points uh, for each character. And then I think Bear, uh, Grant and I are going to play a little game later. Uh, <laughs> yes. So y'all start thinking about um, which of these characters would you want to hang out with and why? So I'll let y'all think about that 
in mm. our, our live audience. Let Grant think about that. And then we'll play this game a little bit later. But I think let's go ahead and jump into it. I guess we could start with the cold open. You want to talk about that? Yeah, I mean, it was for sure that very like undiscovered country Klingon trial sort of vibe right at the beginning. They're just tossed in this jail cell and, um, you know, Mariner's quick to point out like, hey, it could be worse. I've been in worse. This is at least like a semi nice place. And then they start shooting up to the top and then we cut to the credits. And so, you know, I think we've gotten used to there being a bit of a joke at the beginning in the cold open, but this right. we just like ran straight in and started digging into the plot it almost didn't feel like a cold open right Right. like it didn't feel like it's on standalone it just felt like we're we're moving into the story and we're we're obviously just dropped into it we're supposed to be as confused as them the characters i think intentionally so we don't know what's going on we have to figure it out as it goes along but it was weird it was a it was a weirder uncharacteristic uh cold open for the episode and I didn't know the aliens. I assumed they were Klingons. And then kind of, I think right up front, they, they, someone says something to the effect of it's not Klingons. And I was like, okay, well, whatever they are, I don't, I still don't know what they were. <laughs> what, what yeah, I like. did. So uh, Clack, Clark, Clack uh, is the, the main character we're sort of talking with. Um, and they are on, I tried to look up the planet. It's not, um, you know, a planet we have encountered before this show. So this is a new sort of um, uh, a new planet, a new alien race for us to encounter. Right. So far um, as the show. Chupi says this, this makes fun of the tri- the trope uh, that aliens do things the way we do things. Alien species always have trials like we do in ancient Europe and in a rotunda or whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> with people up on, on these little platforms looking down on you. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's funny that, oh, no, this is just our really fancy party room. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, it's not. It was great. Um, so the, the structure of this is that we're going to get a slices of what is ultimately the, the story that led to the circumstances we're in. And it goes based on character perspective. So would it be best that we break this down by character? I'm thinking so. Yeah, like we can go in the order that they uh, sort of pontificate their case. Um, So we start with Mariner. um, And this is it was it was so funny because to me, they almost all gave small cold opens within each character because we start with Mariner um, arguing with Boimler about who is the better ultimate villain. Uh, so we hear them talking about Khan versus uh, Rogo Donar, who is a, who? <laughs> it's a deep reference. Like, <laughs> Oh, is it? Okay. It's a deep uh, TNG reference. And so um, we're definitely going to have to get some perspective on this particular, I think, argument uh, when Clyde and Mike are back next week, because I'd love to hear their thoughts on it. I have not watched the particular episode um, that he's in in a very long time, but essentially his character, you know, sort of outsmarts Picard for a short amount of time. Um, And then we get Khan, which I know you are familiar with from the movies that we have watched for the Patreon pod. The guy with the pecs and the the fur. Yes. And um, and Tendi makes a joke about um, his... A uh, huge chest, which uh, apparently was a reference to um, there were rumors at the time of the filming of the movie that Ricardo Monteblanc's chest was like a fake chest piece. It was a prosthetic. Yeah. 
Um, but the director had, you know, came forward and was like, no, 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 that was all him. Like that was all his body, yaddy, yaddy. <laughs> that's, that's legit hit the dude's chest. Okay. Um, so yeah, I thought that was like a funny, funny little quick reference there. Um, and then we figure out it's a red alert. They need to get to their stations. Boimler is so embarrassed because they're supposed to be on the bridge. Um, and Mariner's like, don't worry, we got this. You just got to be sly and agree with whatever the captain has to say. Um, but of course, Boimler is really bad at even doing that. <laughs> when they were talking about... What's this dude's name? I wrote it down. Ro- Roga Denar. Um, does does Mariner straight up say, "Get the fuck out of get the fuck out of my face"? Yeah. <laughs> like I didn't know if it was bleeped out, if it was get the beep out of my face, or if she straight up dropped the f bomb on the show. Get the fuck out of my face with that. Oh, now I don't like, remember if they bleeped it or not. Hey, I think they bleeped it. If you're in the chat, let us know. Did they bleep it? Or because I only listened to it once. And I was like, whoa, did she actually just straight up say, get the fuck out of my face? Or is my brain just filling it in? Right. I think your brain just filled it in because I rewatched it uh, like an hour or two ago. And I don't remember actually hearing any F-bombs. What I remember, though, is like later when Tendi's telling, telling her story, she's specifically omitting a bunch of stuff. And it seems like when people are cussing, they're also in the bleeps along with a lot of other things being bleeped. Mm-hmm. And that's what made me think. Maybe it wasn't bleep. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. The, well, I'll just talk about the bleeping specifically in Tendi's plot point here in a minute because there are some really funny uh, ways that they sort of played with the sound design in there. Um, but yeah, they're essentially uh, having this confrontation. Thank you, Home Chicky. Um, Chat saying it was bleeped. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I think the episode was rated PG, so I'm pretty sure they bleeped everything. Um, okay. But not well. Uh, <laughs> not well. <laughs> um, Oh, what was it? Oh, so anyway, they're having this argument with the the clickets, as I looked it up, was the name of our bug aliens. Okay. Um, and essentially, Mariner thinks when when uh, Freeman is like, you send them a message, you know, that means like fire a warning shot, um, which, you know, I think is, is also a, a trope. And if we want to stay with our Wrath of Khan, you know, sort of things, there is the point when Khan says like, something devious you know to the crew like give it to them or explain it to them and like sends a photon torpedo out so if we're staying within the realm of con that's like a possible reference there i could be reaching a little bit um yeah i didn't i was thinking right around that point right when they start asking boimler questions i looked at the timestamp. i was like okay we're about five minutes and 50 seconds in i think this all is a fake I had it in my mind at this point in the episode that there was there was no trial and all of this was a setup by the bridge crew mm, to, as like a training as a training simulation or something to get some sort of information out of them. So mm. I was already like not very sure about the the conceit overall. I was wrong, but maybe a little bit right. <laughs> but it it already just felt a little uneasy when they were brought up there ob- oblivious to what's going on and the vague replies they're given are just kind of shrugged off by the bridge crew and like go ahead and do whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> um, at that point I was like okay they must be getting in trouble because they knew they weren't present oh uh, <laughs> yeah that's an interesting way to think about it it was obviously not the case that was just kind of what I was thinking um, Mariner, while they're in the elevator going up, makes a mm-hmm. reference. She was talking about Earth, and she's like, "Oh, I don't want to be relegated to having to go to Earth." Yes. 
all they do is drink wine, hang out in vineyards, and soul food restaurants. <laughs> and Those I are... was going to ask you about yes. that. <laughs> Those are references, yes, to Picard and his his wine drinking. Um, and then the soul food is actually a Deep Space Nine reference because okay. Captain Sisko's uh, father ran a, uh, a soul food restaurant. Ah, the soul food one, I wasn't sure, but I was like, mm-hmm. okay, I saw Picard and all he does is sit on Earth and his vineyard <laughs> all the time. So I was guessing that was what they were going for there. Which is funny because I think timeline wise, I don't think Picard had left the Federation yet um, because we obviously haven't seen like the the explosion of, of Romulus yet. And so like that timeline is anyway, he probably still had the vineyard, but I don't know if he's... Um, retired yet to like the full vineyard life but (laughs) um another fun uh fun fact for this episode is um star trek there's a discovery uh cameo uh actor kenneth mitchell who has played klingons cole kolsha and tavik uh is the voice of the the bug captain Ah. and he also plays a federation guard and a romulan guard in this episode so he got to play a couple of voice characters it seems pretty awesome that this show is bringing back a bunch of people that have been a, a part of the Star Trek family and allowing them to just kind of do these one-off voiceover characters here and there. Yeah, I think it's a it's a fun way to bring in. I'm hoping to either the rest of this season or maybe next we might get a couple of like some super fan cameos, um, especially now that I've been listening to the official Star Trek uh, podcast, the pod directive. I don't know if you've checked it out yet, but um, it's pretty fun listening to celebrities just nerd out about how much they love Star Trek. <laughs> and like Ben Stiller is a huge Star Trek fan and has like all this memorabilia. So I'd, I think it'd be fun, like a fun way to bring cameos in from like some big name actors who, you know, maybe don't have the time to do like screen time, screen time, but can definitely record some cameos in their closet, you know? <laughs> right, right. So I, I think near the tail end of Mariner's recounting, we're, we're getting the good sense of the theme of this particular episode in that Starfleet for all its greatness is flawed as well. Starfleet has a compartmentalization of information. And as a result, some people on that ship can be completely in the dark about what is actually going on. Like the people in lower decks. And that's, that's kind of just the way of things, but it's also, it also doesn't mean that their overall mission is bad or that they're flawed. And, you know, we'll get this more when Boimler gets a chance to kind of tie things in a bow. Um, but it, it was already kind of apparent that they're, they're trying to point out that there's, there's a lot of, lack of communication between upper decks and lower decks. There's a lot of confusion as to what are the ultimate goals, what's going on. And uh, I think with Rutherford, we really get to explore that. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, with Rutherford and Tendi too, I kind of think back to when we watched the original lower decks episode of, um, of TNG, because there was obviously that disconnect in communication when there is the, like secret missions sort of happening and like everyone's right. trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and, and so I think this episode does a good job of sort of um, illustrating that in like a more comical way instead of a devastating way. Like we got on that l- original lower decks episode. Um, but yeah, Rutherford story 
the chronic restarting after updates thing i feel like is the bane of everyone's existence right now because we're all on computer screens all the time (laughs) and you're just like oh zoom has to update again great (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna happen halfway through our recording tonight you know this now absolutely um and like the klingon fonts you know it's like it's these little details that i think they just slide in that really add a lot of humor for me the fact that at one point he's like why do i need that and it's like klingon fonts update (laughs) (laughs) right um but as this started jumping through the storyline i got very confused because i think they started jumping between a bunch of different um alien species Mm-hmm. Like the warbirds are Klingon, but they were taking them from a Ro- Romulan. Or no, that Romulan? was a that was a Romulan ship that they were taking from a Vulcan museum. Oh, okay. And they needed the- to go into the Romulan neutral zone for something. And they had a map, but mm-hmm. whatever they did, they rescued this dude at the end. Yes. Like, I was kind of thinking back to like, what was going on with all the stuff that, that ultimately he ends at a Gorn wedding. (laughs) Oh my God. The Gorn wedding is so funny. I loved it so much. And they're just like gnawing on him. (laughs) They're chewing him and he's like, ha ha suckers. Cause at this point he knows that he's about to go into God mode as soon as he reboots. Mm -hmm. But then he just wakes up and he's still in the same spot, still getting eaten. He's like, no. And then we still don't even get to see like how he gets out of that situation because the guy is just like, I'm out. Why are we at a Gorn wedding? I don't. And then I was like, no, I need to know. Like, uh, I saw someone just commented that like the Gorn wedding looked eerily similar to an earth human wedding. Yes, that is very strange. Um, (laughs) And then like, so it made me want to know more about (laughs) what was going on with this wedding. (laughs) What was that? (laughs) There was a whole crash site behind it. They did. They just see the ship go down and decide like, oh, we'll just go on with the wedding. It's okay. No right. need to change venues or backdrops at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we got this. Uh, we we already were hinted at in a previous episode that Rutherford, when he activates his uh, uh, his um, optical whatever device, he can go into super fight mode. I think mm-hmm. he does it with um, the big the security guard dude, the Bajoran Jax. Right? Yeah, Jax. Um, but it turns out that. Yeah, every time he reboots, he he also can do the super fighting. And then Tendi can apparently also like fight like a maniac. Yes, but so before we get to... But Boimler can fight. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I was like, before we jump into Tendi, though, there's like a couple of other like fun... I mean, I think Rutherford's was like probably some of the most uh, reference deep like section of anybody's because we... Um, get the Gorn wedding. We get to go into the Vulcan. Like, there's the most alien species we see in his like sort of vignette, if you will. So we have uh the Vulcans that he does like the the nerve pinch to, I guess, when he's like in reboot mode, so that they can uh uh he calls them Spock and Spock, which I thought was funny. Uh, Shax does, and then um we have the the. Vulcan Museum, which had a ton of ship references. 
I tried to like catch them all, but there's like, oh, man, were you? <laughs> oh my gosh, there's so many. There is the original first contact Vulcan ship was in there. There's also one that looked a little bit like 2001, a space odyssey, but I'd have to double check. And I was like, why is that there? Um, anyway, there is a ton. There's all these little, little transporter ones. Um, but yeah, so they steal the Romulan ship from there. Um, and he, but before that, he's trying to get the guard to stop paying attention, and he does the fan dance. <laughs> what is the fan dance? So, if you don't remember from Undiscovered Country, when they land on that weird deserty planet, and Ahura has to do the fan dance so that they can get the horses. <laughs> oh damn it! Now I do remember. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> oh yeah, we you, we we talked about that. The fan dance. Uh. Yes. The fan yeah. dance. Um, I thought that part was so absurd. And I was like, they're really going into this. I wonder if this is a reference to something. And it's one that I should have gotten. It was right know. there. Um, but yeah, I couldn't let us pass uh, fan dance before we, we get to Tendi. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, and, and this one, I you know, I, when we started seeing the flashbacks, um, I'm always a sucker for flashbacks. You know, shout out to Lost. I wish Clyde was here. I totally should say, hey, the best format to ever do a flashback, Clyde. Lost. Um, but when we got the first one with Mariner, the alien very much emphasized the star date with the last number being four. And then when he got to Rutherford, he said one. And I was like, oh, this is a different point in time. So they're not all going to start at the same point in time. This is going to be a little bit of a, a, a jumbly puzzle of trying to patch together who's doing what, where. Um, but yeah, and then and then when we jumped to Tendies, her uh, special assignment seemed so mundane at first. <laughs> they, they've done this a couple times, but I love when she's presenting, she's like rubbing it in Mariner's face about like, I get to clean the conference room. And Mariner's like, who cares? Only for her to like turn the corner and Mariner's like, man, I wish I got to do that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like they each get, uh, that was like Tendi's tiny cold open. I thought it was like, anyway, I just love that they each got sort of this weird smart thing right at the top to yeah. sort of kick off their little moments. Um, which which makes me kind of wonder, do you think to an extent there's the, this is the, this is through the lens of them being the narrator, like to Tendi right. Mariner would be grumbling after she left about, Oh, I wish oh. I actually got to uh, go to the conference room. And so it's truth, but it's their truth from, a, from everyone's individual perspective. That's true. That's an interesting thought process. Um, I hadn't really thought of it that way, but I kind of like that. And the idea that Tendi loves it so much that even Mariner would be jealous of her assignment. Like, <laughs> <laughs> But like real, real Mariner maybe wouldn't, but in Tendi's right. mind, she's totally jealous. Totally <laughs> jealous. <laughs> but um, the fact that she's also a cleaner, but doesn't realize she's that other kind of cleaner. cleaner. <laughs> it's so good. So good. Yeah. We see our secret uh, body socks secret mission body socks again are back for this one right and um so ransom and his his bro squad mm -hmm. they're they're matching they, tattoos they're, they roll in they're they're super douchey and it's it's kind of glorious i i like how they're just like yeah man like high-fiving and then all this weird stuff is like 
inconsistently bleeped out by Tendi as she's saying stuff and like partial words are getting in there and you're like, oh, she's, oh, okay. The joke is that she's also doing a lousy job of trying to be confidential about some of this stuff. Yeah. Like the, I like the bars over their eyes so that you don't know who they are. And then, um, (laughs) is this part even necessary? Right. Like, can they see them? Um, but, and then uh, the one I loved especially is when it would go Rom bleep Yulin. Like, (laughs) Rom bleep Yulin council. Um, that one was very funny. And then the, the scanning. Oh my God. When they're like, you have to be quiet. They're scanning. (laughs) Oh, they're scanning again. They're scanning again. That one, like, I appreciated it how long that went. <laughs> and I was it like, it takes that beat a few times too many. Oh, man. Like, oh, come on. <laughs> I'm, I'm here for it. Um, and then, yeah, the inside of the Romulan ship that they used was very like TNG era Romulan ship. Um, it reminded me a lot of this episode where, uh, which we covered on the Patreon, actually, where Deanna Troy is, um, re is like, given plastic surgery to look like a Romulan so that she can go on a secret Romulan mission to work for these agents to get this person who's been captured back onto the enterprise. Anyway, it felt very much like that plot line was like used into Tendi's plot line. Um, It's called face of the enemy. Uh, if anyone wants to look that one up from TNG, did I just say Voyager? I might've, I'm sorry. It is TNG. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's very reminiscent of that particular bridge. So I appreciated the, the multi-layered references there. Um, CJ Higgin pointed out, uh, wasn't Mariner given a list of crappy jobs, but she also approached it with an awesome attitude or she, where she was the only one that was, or she was doing it because she was ticked off with her mom, right? Um, yeah. yeah, she she got like the worst jobs possible, but found a way to make them fun. Whereas like Boimler, whatever he was given, he was like ex- like overly enthusiastically efficient with everything. He's like, I just want to impress people, and she was just like, ah, I'm gonna be defiant and have fun with awful things. Yeah, I wish there had been. It, it- like, I, I understand it more, I think, if this is, like, Tendi's recollection of it. But I think if it was Mariner's point of view, she'd have to be, like, they always have the best snacks. You know, like, there'd have to be, like, something about the conference room that's, like, fun to clean up. <laughs> right. Um, But, yeah, we get to see Tendi kick some major butt and take down a bunch of armed Romulan guards, which was dope. It was a really cool twist for the character because, you know, I mean, I guess they're kind of doing this with everyone. They're they're all really capable, right? <laughs> but uh, but she's extremely smart and nerds out on all the tech stuff, and that's like her passion. But when it comes to her having to be relied on to help all those guys, um, she can go and kick butt, even when that's not actually what they want. They just want her to to beam them out of there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, I thought I thought Tendies was super fun um, and like a great way to pay homage to face of the enemy. So when it came down to Boimler, what were you kind of expecting with his story? I mean, I kind of like that he uh, he gives us the big Starfleety speech at the end. Right? right. Instead of him being an additional sort of character in this narrative, like we saw him in Mariner's story. And so there obviously wasn't much else for him to 
contribute to this plot unless he was also selected for a secret mission, which he wasn't. And so I kind of love that in this particular episode, Rutherford and Tendi are the ones who get to go and be badasses, whereas Mariner and Boimler are just stuck on the bridge. And so, um, yeah. Right. For, for us to rehash stuff from his perspective when he didn't necessarily know any more than Mariner and, and more likely than not given his, who he is, he would know less. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it makes sense that instead he's the one who, who just pieces everything together and kind of, uh, puts the, delivers the kind of explanation to the audience of here's actually what's going on with the problems of, of Starfleet in a way. And what, what we on uh, Lower Decks want to explore this episode, which is that there, there is problems with communication. We've seen it from every single iteration of Trek, it seems, that some people um, on Lower Decks don't get all the information, don't really know what's going on. And whether it's a feature or a flaw, it's not necessarily to the detriment of the overall lofty goals and aspirations of what is Starfleet. Right. And I and he pointed out that even all of these like, uh, you know, sort of legacy uh, Starfleet members have all made mistakes. And so even though their their bridge crew and their leadership team might not seem as impressive, you know, he goes down the list of did Picard know about the Borgs, which is a, a reference to a, a TNA TNG episode. Q who um, shout out to uh, um I had to look up a lot of these. So Den of Geek had this one broken down for me because I was like, whew, this one's dense. I need some help. So um, uh, Q forces the Enterprise to encounter the Borg. um, And Picard may not have known about the Borg in 2365. um, But anyway, Seven of Nine's parents knew about the Borg. So there's there's questions there about what Picard knew and what Picard shared with his his uh, his crew. Uh, did Kirk know about giant Spock on Phylos? This is actually from um, the animated series. There's a huge Spock clone just named Spock number two. Um, very creative. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, and then did Crusher, Dr. Crusher know about the ghost in the lantern from the Scottish planet that she hooked up with that one time. Also from a TNG <laughs> episode called Sub Rosa. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's when Dr. Crusher has a good time with a ghost that lived in a lantern. Um, <laughs> and then, I heard this and I was like, "Oh yeah, that's got to be one of the, those embarrassing episodes." It's a it's an interesting one. And then Drumhead, which is what he says at his mic drop moment, is another reference to Picard giving a speech that ends a witch hunt trial um, in the TNG episode "The Drumhead." Um, and a drumhead itself refers to the actual head of a drum. Uh, and apparently, on battlefields, uh, it would serve as an ad hoc judge's bench so there is the giant list of all of those references in boimler's banana speech <laughs> so he says this thing about q popping in and i oh, haven't really seen this q character we had uh, at the studio back when we used to all record at the studio together we had q bear mm-hmm. uh which i thought Q-Bear. was just, I, I thought he was french I didn't realize. <laughs> <laughs> he speaks Q. French in this episode too, which is funny. Um, but he's basically the great gazoo, I guess. He's like a trickster. Yeah, he who just pops like, in to kind of f- out from in and out of time to just kind of mess with them. 
I mean, yeah, that's an accurate description of Q. I think that's a that's a good one. And the original actor who played Q is the voice of Q in this episode. I'm trying to uh, look up his name really quick. Um, but yeah, oh, he uh, was the original it right up here. Mm-hmm. But I was uh, uh, John I De- John Delancey. So John Delancey is wow. the ori- is the original Q, um, who also voices it in this episode. But yeah, I thought that was a fun reference at the end, kind of about how like nonsense happens and it doesn't always happen to every member of the crew, and not every member has to know everything that's happening. Um, I loved the weird little game card world that they're they're kind of shot into, and then um, all of the. Uh, like weird, the, like the way they took down Ransom with his, like, he doesn't even do research about his dates. It was like oh, right. almost like a, a funny way to reference now people who don't like Google people before they go out on dates with them. <laughs> like, right. Like um, you didn't Google him? Is, is salt vampire uh, a thing that's been in Trek that you're familiar with? Yes. So it's from the original series. It's actually <laughs> one of my favorite episodes. Um, <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, they, like essentially lived on this planet, but they would like suck all the salt out of your body. Cause that's what they needed to live. Oh, anyway, okay. it's fun. It's a good episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just kind of running through those. I thought all of these were like really funny. And like, in a way I was like, ah, I kind of want an episode where I want this ridiculous cue episode where they have mm-hmm. to have, have a chess game against cards with a, a talking soccer ball or whatever. It, <laughs> like you've seen, I, I, I've seen that, that story trope kind of repeated and all sorts of things i remember like a famous x-men episode where um this guy mojo brings all the best x-men from across space and time to have to fight each other for a game or whatever like these those kind of story devices happen all the time i'm like okay if that's what they're going for here those are always fun one-off episodes and they showed me just enough of a glimpse i'd be like i i like the world of of lower decks that they've established to the point where I'm like, I'm on board. If you guys want to do that silly shit too, <laughs> <laughs> let's go for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I just love at the end. Like, I think one of my favorite moments of this episode is the, the very, very end where the lower decks are confronting the bridge crew and the bridge crew are like, Oh, we should give you accommodation for being brave at this party. Um, that you thought was a trial, but way to uphold like Starfleet's honor. Um, in the best way possible. And then they just start going in being like, well, why did you have to go on this secret mission? Why was this guy captured by the Romulans in the first place? Why didn't you ask the Vulcans if you could just borrow this ship? And like, why aren't you talking to us? <laughs> Once yeah. again, it's like you guys missed the whole point of our complaint. <laughs> but it reminds me of the fact that like, we do have these moments. We just have to kind of like forget to ask too many questions sometimes <laughs> in Star Trek. Cause e- and even in new Trek, cause in, discovery like i've been re-watching from the beginning and i'm still very confused about the ash tyler klingon situation because we have seen in other trek shows that they're able to like physically alter people to look like a different alien species without having to replace all the insides and so it was anyway it's it's just like one of those things where like oh this is still something that just happens like we just have to like Forget about asking too many deep questions so that we can move forward with the plot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. Uh, I can't believe you brought up Ash Tyler again. Uh, <laughs> every time I get uh, Ash Tyler, you got to remember that character. Um, the part where he talks about, I don't know the cat doctor's name, but when uh, the cat, Tiana. 
Tiana, when she's talking about, hey, there's a problem with doppelgangers, and then she ends up on this either a doppelganger ship or she's in the mirror verse because they're all um, either like gender bent characters or, or slightly different in this alternate reality. Mm-hmm. Like um, there's a human form of her character. Right. Um, they're on a ship called the Alhambra. And I was wondering like, okay, the Alhambra versus Cerritos. I wonder if they're doing something kind of playful with that, but I didn't know what it might be. If you in the chat know. Yeah. So that's, so Alhambra is like a place in Spain and the Cerritos is a reference to, it's a California class ship. So I wonder if, are there Spanish class ships or like, (laughs) what's Mm the, (laughs) um, it's, I also need to, I'd have to go back and look at the, the closed captions if it's Alhambra or Alhambra because Alhambra is in Spain and Alhambra is in Greece. So, <laughs> Oh, look at you. All right. <laughs> you, you know all this stuff. European geography, baby. <laughs> uh, I mean, overall, it was a, it was a fun episode. It, it was silly. The, uh, once, once they say, what about dropping us in eels? They get the broom out. They they push them away. No, like nothing. You said, beep, beep, beep. We're not supposed to ask these deeper questions. No, just, just enjoy the episode. Yes, <laughs> I guess. Fair enough. Fair enough episode. If that's what you want us to do. Um. Hey. Uh. This is a good point to uh, go ahead and say, hey, chat. If you guys have a chance, you can go ahead and if you have any additional thoughts, go ahead and pepper them in on the side. I would like to point out that. JC does say that Alhambra oh. is a city in Southern California as well. So that kind of goes hand in hand with the um, California class. Yeah. 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 Um, Interesting. And Chippy says the difference with Ash is he fooled the medical devices, unlike the Klingon mm. in Trouble with Tribbles. You got to go. There's no half measures, Mariah. You got to go whole <laughs> hog. You have to have your entire go body crazy. change. That's. <laughs> They pulled a full Wolverine and sculpted everything from scratch. Yeah. I saw a comment like very early on um, about from, I think, WYSIWYG about how last week we also got the sort of twist of the bad guys, actually the good guy. And then we sort of get it again this week, Um, which I think is, you know, a fair uh, question to pose of like, is that maybe they should have spaced these episodes out a little bit more or, um, but I do think it was for me personally, it was different enough because it was more just like, Oh, this is this big cultural misunderstanding rather than this is just one particular person who sounds evil and has an evil laugh and too dark of a ship. And in the end was totally fine. Um, but yeah, I can definitely see how the twists are pretty similar. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm getting the sense from this show that it's really trying to to stay away from classic villains and, and evilness. It it's trying to be lighthearted, playful, and if if ever there is a quote unquote villain in the show, I think they're generally trying to show that it's it's oftentimes just kind of a misunderstanding of both sides and you can at least try to come to a little bit of a consensus which is a lot more diplomatic than i think of some of the <laughs> other shows go where it's like mustache rolling evil bad guy right there right um, very true let's see uh home chicky says once we are covid free 
Let's do a live meetup in New Orleans. Find a Cisco restaurant for pretend. Ooh. A little soul food. I'm into this idea. We have a we have a Cisco's here in uh in Austin, but that's Tex Mex. Yes. <laughs> it's a, it's a different <laughs> we could just do here. both. <laughs> just come over here, guys. We could go we'll to just, uh have you ever been to in uh in Austin, I think one of my favorite places for I mean at least all things fried soul food is Mr. Catfish. Highly recommend if you are I've um, heard of it and I haven't been. It's good if you as long as you're okay with everything being the same color of fried. <laughs> Can it's I like, get a, a plate of orange, please? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all they're going to give me. Okay, fair. Um, let's see. Here's another one. Chris Rogers says, Pod, I feel like Boimler's speech was him more readily embracing the reality that Upper Decks aren't as great as he usually sees them to be, while still acknowledging his love of Starfleet. That's a good point. Of Starfleet. You, you froze out on my end. I don't know if you did for everybody else. You froze out on my end. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Ah, look at that. Anyway. Um, yeah. I like this as like sort of a lesson of the episode as well, because I think, you know, it's, um, it, it almost speaks to the times of like, you can't ever really totally love your heroes and not know that they're still going to be complicated, not perfect people. Right. Like right. there's, Lots of creators right now who, um, you know, for better or for worse, have made mistakes in their life, <laughs> in choices they've made, pictures they've posted, articles they've written, tweets they've sent out, whatever it needs to be. Um, and you hope that they realize and learn from that and move forward, which I think to me is the lesson of this episode of like, yes, everyone makes mistakes, but as long as you are moving towards a better future and being a better person, then they can, you know, there's ways to work around that, right? Your heroes are flawed. Except if your heroes are us. Um, Mariah and I have no flaws. So do not go looking. Stop it. it <laughs> I was like, do you not have your Twitter set to delete every uh, 90 days? Whatever's oh, no. older than that. <laughs> <laughs> nope. You should, uh, do that. People are just going to be like, oh, shit. <laughs> You say awful things all the time. Oh, no. Context matters. It was funny. (laughs) No. Oh, uh, JC just brought up that we should buy uh, black bodysuits for our next uh, cosplay show. Also, (laughs) I'm into it. Um, Also, if people don't know, Star Trek is is doing a cosplay contest Um, right now. You can enter. And if you win, you get to go to the digital premiere of season uh, three of discovery so if you are into cosplay definitely check that out they tweeted it out from the official account um i'm slowly trying to figure out if i have enough wardrobe pieces to cosplay as tilly from the new promo images because i don't have a uniform but i'm like i have black jackets and scarves and things i could figure this out because <laughs> you might as right. well try <laughs> um uh, here's a question from Chupi, which is, what was your favorite line from the show? And the first one that comes to mind for me is the one we already kind of addressed, but when Tendi's talking about how excited she is to get to be cleaning the conference room, and once she turns the corner, Mariner goes, oh, man, I wish I was cleaning the conference room. <laughs> I think that was just the funniest part for me. Did you yeah, have a particular I- line? Oh, man, it'd be hard to say, like, right off the top of my head now. I know I really loved uh, Tendi's moment when they're like, all right, do your thing, cleaner. And she's like, my thing, 
what's my thing? And it's just like that, that shock and horror of like, oh no, I need to do something and I have no idea what it's supposed to be. Anyway, right, right. I like that. Um, JC says when Tendi said sorry to the Romulans after knocking them out and the guy said something like, whoa, you're playing some crazy bleep, bleep in mind games cleaner. Uh, uh, which uh, PW Gregory says ransoms. That's some cold bleep. <laughs> yeah. All the bleep yeah. outs were great. I also just think the Rutherford computer saying the Klingon, uh, Klingon font updates was maybe my, one of my favorite parts of this whole episode. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> What do I even need that for? <laughs> um, yeah, this was a lot of fun. This episode, I'm, I'm disappointed to say, Mariah, that we had a secret agenda at the start of this episode to try and wrap it up within 22 minutes, and we've clearly overshot that. We failed miserably. Kick us out of the room. Get get rid of the etching stone. Party's we, over, guys. Party, party is, is over. Over, but. Um, I was going to ask you, Grant, if you still wanted to, to play uh, the game I suggested prior to coming on air. Yes, I do. Okay. So this is a game my spouse and I often play. I will give him full credit. He came up with this and it is the how many beers test. So you think of a character from like a show you like or a movie or even an actor uh, we like to do it with dart players because that's uh, the sport that we watch in our household. And uh, <laughs> uh, so the rules are you have to come up with how many beers you would have with this particular person. So is it like you're just getting a sample and you're leaving the bar? Is it uh, you're going to have the full pint? Is it you're getting the sampler platter? Um, or that's not what they're called, a flight, not a sampler platter. <laughs> a flight, a pitcher, or the full keg. Um, and so I thought it would be fun for us to discuss whether or not uh, or how many beers we would have with our, our core crew of Boimler, Mariner, Tendi, and Rutherford. Okay. Okay. So, so flight, I, a, a beer, a flight, or a pitcher. Is that the three? Or a, a, or a keg, if you oh, want to really oh, go for it. I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, who are we going to start with? Well, I think we'll start uh, with Tendi. I think we'll go in like kind of reverse order of those we know the the least to most about. Okay, Tendi. Um, I would probably do uh, a pitcher. I, I agree with that. I, I think a pitcher is good. I think she'd have pretty lively conversation. She would be maybe a little bit intense. <laughs> right, like maybe the pitcher would help bring her down just like a minute. You know? Right, but uh, it wouldn't. I, I don't know if I could go the distance of a full keg, a full night of like wherever that conversation may go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it would like, probably get too nerdy. Eyes glazing over and be like, I can't, I can't hold my own here. With a with a, a pitcher, I can always at least just chug it if I need. If you gotta go for it, yeah. What about <laughs> uh, what about Rutherford? Oh, I mean, he might be kind of in the same camp. I feel like with Rutherford, I might prefer the flight only because I think Ooh. then, um, some if, things to talk about. Right. If, if it's with him, we, we can always just jump back to talking about the individual beers we're tasting. And that's like a safe space for me. If, if the conversation does open up beyond that, um, <laughs> I can just, you know, drink and go along, but I would, I would go with the flight for him. 
I might go flight then pitcher because I think it would be fun to do the flight to figure out what we'd want to drink together and then mm. go in for the pitcher because I feel like, you know, uh, he would have things, opinions about it, you know? Pitcher optional. Yeah. Yeah. I like totally. That. Okay. Um, and Boimler? Uh, man, I mean, if I'm being honest, Boimler seems like a, a kindred spirit where I could I could do a couple pitchers. I don't think I could go. I could go full full keg with him because maybe it's a little bit too kindred, but I'll, I'll say a couple pitchers. I might be like, at least uh, start with one, and then I'd have to see you know one pitcher, and then see where it goes from there. Mariner, I'm going kegger with Mariner. You Me know that too. would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, to see her do a keg stand at least. I'm waking up in a bathtub missing a kidney, but it's totally worth it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think. I think when you have her personality, um, yeah, you wanna you wanna hang out, just kind of glom onto that and be like, "Where is this gonna take us?" Yeah, yeah. I think the night the night would be young, and then it would be terrible, and then it would be young again, and it would be like a roller coaster of the night. Yeah, I'd be crying, and then yes. I'd be crying some more, and then just just a lot of crying. I cry too much if I oh, if dang. I drink a whole can. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> No one wants a salty beer. It's my only emotional outlet. That's awful. That's awful. <laughs> oh, no. And on that note. <laughs> it, it, it's time for us to have, uh, we need more We need more therapy in, in, in track. I think that's what we always talk about. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think we will have to go ahead and wrap things up here. Um, wait, we do have a comment here. Chris Rogers says, Tendi, a pitcher. Rutherford, a beer. Boimler, a beer. Mariner, a keg, and some shots. Okay. There we go, Chris. You got it. <laughs> same page-ish. Pretty yeah, much the same yeah. page. Um, all right. Folks, we want to say thank you so much for joining us on the pod this week. And remember, you can always find us live on YouTube every Thursday talking about Trek. And, of course, we'll be covering Lower Decks every single week. We only have, uh, is it 10 episodes this season? Yeah, so we just have uh, t- two more weeks, and then we're it's three weeks till disco, baby. Oh my gosh. Next week's the penultimate. I wonder if they're going to do something crazy. Anyway, uh, we're going to be discovering, uh, we're going to be covering discovery, covering discovery, uh, season three in just three weeks. So if you guys are holding out on watching us live, I hope you join us for Star Trek discovery. Once that comes back, because uh, I think these Thursday nights, they're becoming an event. I mean, all of us, Except for, you know, Mike and Clyde are just chomping at the bit to be on these episodes. Yeah. And, (laughs) uh, you know, Grant, it's been nice sharing a beer with you this evening. Um, Mine's a cider, but that's (laughs) uh, doesn't matter. Uh, But yes, if you have enjoyed listening to Grant and I this evening and you hope that Mike and Clyde are back next week you can subscribe rate and review us on apple um please do that leave us a review five stars please and thank you um and visit startrekpod.co to get all the links to everything this podcast as well as links to our patreon where you can join us for two dollars an episode pledge get access to our amazing slack full of the best humans on this planet and you know you want to hang out with the best humans like i said at the top of the episode uh the watch-alongs are super fun we're also starting to talk about um the representation of women in Trek in a really fun Slack channel we've got going right now, uh, specifically talking about how these latest two shows are are front-runned by women, which is super 
awesome and amazing. And I love chatting with everyone in that room. And uh, yeah, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Star Trek Pod on both of those places. Shout outs to Karen and James Worm who help us run our social media. You all are the best of the best. Once again, thank you for joining us on Star Trek Discovery Pod. Mariah, where can people find you? Oh, I'm at Mariah Gossett on all platforms. That's Mariah with a Y and a Gossett with two S's and two T's. And I am at Baron Von Grant. Follow at your own peril. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for checking out our show. We'll be back next week to cover the penultimate of Lower Deck Season 1. Until then, live long and prosper. Bye. Later. Deuces. We out. We out.